This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on this rather dull and wet and kind of snowy morning. I hope you're okay wherever we find you on this Saturday morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours on The Breakfast Buffet. This morning on The Bottom Line, we've another busy show lined up for you with lots of business stories. And as it looks like, we'll be continuing with level five restrictions for perhaps long than and originally anticipated, putting pressure on a lot of people. I'll be talking to Dr. Yolanta Burke, a positive psychologist about managing anxiety, stress, and how to remain positive during these difficult times. Dennis Casey will be telling us about how businesses are really getting on with Brexit. And well-known Carlo entrepreneur David Walsh will be chatting to us about his new company, Halo Healthcare, the Outstanding Achievement Award he received uh, just last week, and keeping positive and resilient and developing a business in these difficult times. And of course, as you've heard from Brian, today is World Radio Day, and we'll be giving away a Kitsound Digit multi-use versatile outdoor Bluetooth speaker. That's what a tongue twister. All you need to do is text us and tell us why you love radio between now and 10 o'clock. I'll be announcing a winner just before we finish off the show. So get texting to us on our dinnersready.ie text or WhatsApp contact line. That's 083 306 9696. And that's with thanks to Electro City Superstores, Carlo and Kilkenny. And all you've got to do uh, to be in with a chance of winning that Bluetooth speaker is just tell us why you love radio. So text us on that number um, and tell us why you love radio. And we'll drive a winner just before 10 o'clock. And don't forget, you can check out Electro City at electrocity.com. But joining me on the line to discuss some business uh, stories uh, that caught her eye during the week is Laura Slattery, media correspondent with the Irish Times. Good morning, Laura. Morning, John. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, you were telling me about uh, slanty rain, kind of precipitation in your area. Not a lovely morning. Very underwhelming in every way, I would say. I'm happy to be indoors with a with a good roof. <laughs> a good roof. And on the radio, and indeed it's it's World Radio Day today, and you were writing about uh, radio during the week, indeed, a, a topic which we obviously have huge interest in here, but you, you had an interesting article because there was no JNLR survey. There's normally a survey out what tells what people, how many people are listening to specific shows and so on. But because of the pandemic, the, the usual wasn't uh, on the menu. So tell us about what, what you wrote. Yes, so um, this is about not what people are listening to, but how they listen. And it's very interesting that in Ireland, um, FM, the sort of traditional way of listening to radio, is still really absolutely the most dominant way, you know, the most popular. Uh, and there's a touch of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it does mean in Ireland we're a little bit different than, we, than say, the UK and a lot, a lot of other European countries um, move to sort of digital kind of formats over a decade ago, they all bought DAB radios or DAB Plus, and they, they've, they've moved on a bit. And even in some countries like Norway, for example, there are no FM signals, certainly not national ones. Mm. A couple of the countries are looking at turning it off. But to do that here would be just unconscionable because that's the most uh, 
uh, common way of listening to radio, and people love it. Um, I was talking to um, the research firm Ipsos uh, MRBI, and they were describing it as a ridiculously robust medium so that will be uh, music to your ears absolutely yeah i suppose i was kind of thinking about it and the radio is a very simple piece of technology you just put ra- put put batteries into a, a fairly simple device or plug it in and and you can take it pretty much anywhere you don't have to have wi-fi signal and all that kind of different stuff i, I suppose if you ain't if yeah. it ain't broke but there are other ways because i mean we were talking about you know we're giving away a bluetooth speaker and and you can listen on your phone and all that sort of stuff and link in your phone and all that so a lot of interesting stats about that it is changing but quite slowly yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, you know, there's a lot of change happening now. People buying smart speakers, and there's about sort of 66,000 people are using them, you know, to listen to Irish radio. So they can either, as you say, just use the Bluetooth, or they they might even use the voice assistant and say, you know, Alexa, play whatever station yeah. uh, that they want to listen to. That's, that would be available to them in some instances. Um, but the thing is, when they listen that way, they don't tend to listen for as long. So... A lot of the reason why, you know, FM is still so dominant here is because it's the, the, that um, often the older age group, people who've had the same radio set for, for many, many years, and that technology hasn't broken, and they might have the set on all day. Yeah. I mean, uh, years ago, I remember Pat Kenny uh, used to talk about the milking parlor radio yeah. set, you know, that it was sort of almost on the top. You know, somewhere up high, you know, it might be a little bit congealed uh, yeah. on the one station. And uh, people just um, turned it on every morning and, and they left it on all day. And that's why uh, it's something like, you know, 15 times the number of hours uh, yeah. listened to that kind of radio, FM radio, um, as opposed to uh, digital smart speakers and, uh, of course, uh, you know, laptops and all the other ways. You can listen digitally through apps on your on your smartphone. So yeah, there's still a good way to go before before that changes. Yeah, absolutely. Now moving on, I could talk about radio all day and how people uh, listen. But um, speaking about signals, um, air, uh, you know, who, who you know, FM is is universally available. But I mean, I suppose air, uh, who are a, a telecoms company, they've been in the news not for the right reasons, but often to do with uh, to do with. Um, you know, the quality of their of their service. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's customer care, really. So anytime anyone has any kind of problem with air, they just have huge difficulties in getting it fixed. And, and actually, a, a portion of those people are actually people who've had enough and are trying to cancel um, their uh, air uh, contract. Um, just just remembering a, a, a funny tweet I saw a while ago when, when Donald Trump was getting kicked off every single social media platform um, somebody was saying, well, the the only uh, account he has left is the contract with AIR that he can't get out of. Um, but David McRevan, who is the chairman of AIR, uh, he was apologizing this week and saying, you know, customer care had a difficult 2020, to put it mildly. And this isn't the first uh, apology. Um, the chief executive there, Carolyn Lennon, um, also apologized in November uh, to an Oireachtas committee. That apology went slightly wrong when she said, it had been a mistake uh, by AIR to open a customer care centre in Sligo. And, of course, everybody in Sligo was upset by that and thought it was casting dispersions. And she had to clarify and say, you know, we, we underestimated the task of opening a new customer uh, care service and, and training people. It wasn't to do with uh, the talented people in, in, in Sligo. Yeah. So, in a way, like the pandemic yeah, has been, um, it's kind of been 
a great open goal for a competent uh, telecom uh, company that can really step up um, and meet the demand from people who are working from home and people who are isolated and trying to keep up in touch with grandkids via video conferencing. And some of them have done a good job, but unfortunately for AIR, they turned it into a bit of an own goal. Yeah, and we'll be talking to a psychologist later in the programme about positive, um, you know, keeping a positive mindset. But if you're, if you're, uh, Wi-Fi, if you're trying to work and your Wi-Fi or your phone signal is letting you down on a continuous and intermittent basis and you can't get through to the help centre, it should drive you nuts. Yeah, and it was very frustrating. And it actually, it's, it's, it's raised some uh, questions about you know, whether or not the uh, telecom regulator, Comerick, has been tough tough enough on air over the years. Because although, you know, um, that year was, was a particular pinch point, it hasn't, this issue hasn't really come from... From nowhere, there's been people having air difficulties for, for quite some time. Quite a while. Yeah, um, now today is a miserable kind of weather-wise Saturday and people often sit back with movies um, and many people with kids particularly. But they're not only kids' movies. Disney, tell us about uh, how Disney have been getting on recently. Yeah, it's a really, um, you know, it's sort of... Uh, it's a, this is a story with a lot of bumps and perhaps a happy ending, but at the moment Disney is, is having a lot of huge difficulties because um, its theme parks are either closed or they've, they've capped attendance. So, you know, Disneyland in Paris, for example, is closed until April, you know, for the obvious reason in COVID-19, it's just not safe. And the other issue that they're having is that, you know, that cinemas have been closed. So in 2019, it seems like eight ago now, um, it's raked in, you know, about 13 billion in the box office. It had seven movies that made more than a billion. Avengers Endgame, Lion King, Frozen 2, all these big family outings where, where you know, the, you go with your big bucket of popcorn and have a great day. Um, but none of that obviously is happening. So it's all moved um, into the home. So on the plus side for them, they've racked up um, almost 100 million subscribers. Which is unbelievable. It must be the most successful launch of something like that, I would imagine. Yeah, it's really funny. Like, I remember thinking this is going to be successful because they've just got these brands, you know, Marvel and Star Wars. And these are really solid kind of things that people are already very popular. Um, But nobody could have predicted that it would be this quick. I mean, almost 100 million is, is in, 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 in about 15 months they've done that. It took wow. Netflix about a decade to get there. And it's just, it's just incredible. And they're, they're, they've, they've, they've made huge inroads there, but it doesn't quite compensate for the loss of um, money at theme parks and, and, and movies and, um, in the cinema, unfortunately. But wow. um, a, lot of, a lot of investors think, you know, Disney has, still has a lot going for it, you know, so that eventually when the pandemic ends, that they will be in a very strong position. Yeah, well Laura look, um, that's very interesting uh, and good to chat to you as as normal. We've got to leave it there because time is against us. Uh, that's Laura Slattery. Thanks very much Laura. Have a good morning. Thanks John. You okay, we'll talk to you again soon. Laura Slattery, media correspondent of the Irish Times there. Just a reminder, all you need to do uh, to win that uh, speaker, the multi-use versatile outdoor Bluetooth speaker with thanks to Electro City Superstores in Carlow and Kilkenny is to text us why you love radio and uh, you'll get that on or send us your text on 083 306 9696 or you can WhatsApp it to us uh, either. Coming up, we're going to be talking business uh, and his latest business with David Walsh from Netflix and <laughs> Netwatch. At the heart of it all, KCLR.
Yes, indeed, at the heart of it all, John Purcell with you as it comes up to 23 minutes past nine o'clock on the bottom line, the programme for it and about business. Don't forget, uh, if you want to uh, be in with a chance of winning that nice prize from Electro City, the Bluetooth speaker, just text us why you love radio to 083 306 Now, um, on the 4th of February, it was announced that David Walsh, that well-known entrepreneur, uh, who burst on the national business scene with Netwatch uh, has received the inaugural National Enterprise Award Outstanding Achievement Award and that was given at the uh, National Enterprise Awards recently and I'm delighted to say that David is joining me on the line. Good morning, David. Good morning, John. How are you this morning? And congratulations on that award. Um, you know, I, I said you burst on the scene with Net, Netwatch. Uh, you stepped aside as chief executive. Uh, you're still a director, of course, and very involved in that business. But you've launched a new business. But lovely to receive an award like that. Oh, look, it's fantastic. Uh, any national award that you win is, is important. But this one was, was a, <clears throat> a big surprise. So I'm delighted to accept it on behalf of all the great people that I've worked with over the years, and as you know, John, building a business and uh, and driving change is a team sport that it requires you uh, to be surrounded by great people and great family, and I'd like to accept it on behalf of my family because they made huge sacrifices over the years in relation to, as we grew Netwatch, and I think back on it now, and when I was receiving the award, particularly my wife Beatrice, when we started Netwatch, we had three children under the age of four, and then when they became teenagers, I was spending three weeks a month in the, in the United States. So she did all the heavy lifting in terms of the early days and those difficult teenage years as well. So, look, it was great to accept them. And as well as that, I've, I've been saying to the business community and business owners for many, many years to enter uh, 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 business awards because I think they're a fantastic way for businesses to strategically position their, uh, their companies and their messaging. <clears throat> and as well as that, it, it's, an, it's my opener to the main stakeholders in terms of staff, in terms of customers, and indeed, I found myself over the years that being involved in awards was hugely influential in terms of funding. And the financial institutions are very aware of these business awards. Many of them are sponsors. So, and they want to back winners. And I think even going back to these awards, it was fantastic to see the Carlo Company, Irish Fuels Controls, uh, Killian Dyes Company win the South East region, which was another win for Carlo. Yeah, fantastic. And, and they're a great networking opportunity as well because you, you meet a lot of people and I know you were the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year uh, award winner some years ago as well, but they, they do keep up an alumni programme and you get to meet people and I had the, the great pre- pleasure of going to that with Lily Holmes um, a couple of years yeah. ago um, from Burnside and I was really impressed with the, the obvious networks that are developed through that. Well, it's a huge network and there are I think it's 550 of us at this point in time who've been through that particular program that you're referring to, uh, the, the Ernst & Young Player of the Year. Uh, and it's just like even just one simple example, John. When we went to the States uh, with Netwatch, I spoke to a guy called uh, Fergal Broder, one of a great company out of Stigo called Lotus, and I explained what we were doing and what we were thinking of doing. They said, well, we'll just back up. He said, we've offices in Boston. Use our offices in Boston for the first six months, for the first year. Get your feet on the ground. We know all the professional services in terms of legal firms, accountancy firms that, that won't take advantage of it. They're Irish, they're Irish friendly. And indeed, our very first customer that we ever got in the United States was a customer of his. And that customer, 10, 15 years later, is still one of our customers. I think they've probably given us revenues in, the, in, in excess of 5 million over the last 10 years. Wow. You know, and that's just a very simple example. So, And that comes uh, through networking and that came from entering a business award. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Now, when you announced you were stepping aside as chief executive, but still retaining your interest in Netwatch uh, and and staying on as a director, I kind of thought that you wouldn't be vanishing out to look after your roses and so on. And I was right. (laughs) You have another business venture. Tell us about that. Halo Healthcare. Well, as I saw, uh, I stepped down as CEO in January 2020. And the plan was to take time off. We was never going to take a lot of time off, but take a year off with Beatrice and the kids and even with Beatrice to the world. And then obviously COVID broke out uh, and that changes everything in, in the personal basis, but also the business context. Uh, and we saw firsthand the real negative impact that COVID had on the most vulnerable, which is the elderly population. And particularly those living in residential settings, be that in hospitals or be it in nursing homes. And at the time, I remember, uh, March 2020, the Taoiseach, then Taoiseach, uh, Leo Varadkar, had, had called out to the business community to come up with some innovative ways to uh, beat the pandemic. And we just felt, myself and I, Kelly, we just felt that we had to do something. And we knew that technology could play a role in this paradigm shift that's happening. And everybody, every health commentator across the globe, John, is talking about this need of this shift from care in residential settings to care in the community care in their own homes. Hospital in the home is becoming the, the term. But So we felt that technology had a role to play there, and so we started Halo Care. And what Halo Care does, we, we put very, very intelligent devices into a home. And a, they're not wearable devices, and most of your listeners will probably be familiar with the traditional wearable devices that, that an elderly person might wear, pendant around their neck, or <coughs> a bracelet <coughs> sorry, on their, on their wrist. <coughs> and, uh, and if something happens, you're hoping that they can press a button, whereas ours is completely wireless, it's completely contactless. So we fit a device to the wall in a particular room, let's say it's a sitting room, they, we get to the device, there's no cameras, that's critically important, John, so the dignity and privacy is protected. Mm. The device learns the scene of the elderly person in the home, and it's there to support them, and it, it report back, reports back outliers to ourselves. If somebody's taking less steps than normal, if somebody is stumbling more than they used to, <coughs> if somebody's staying in their chair more than used to, but if there's an extreme outlier where somebody needs help themselves, the system, our system is voice activated for starters. So somebody, rather than trying to pull a card or press a button, they can call out for help. The device recognizes the, the, the code for help and sends an alert straight through to our care hub. Alternatively, or if somebody actually falls, they don't get a, don't get a chance to call out for help. Yeah. The device recognizes it and again sends the, the information through to our care hub. And then we have nurses and clinically trained staff in our new offices, well, they're all working from home now, but in new offices in Carlow. And the whole thing is to be able to support the elderly person. And what's really exciting from our perspective is that we surveyed over a thousand people over 75 years of age and asked them the question, a number of questions. But one of the questions was, do they like wearing devices? And the, the absolute answer, nine out of 10 people do not want to wear a device around their ankle or their wrist or their, around their neck because they tend to forget them, take them off for a shower and forget it. So with our technology, the elderly person can live in normal life in their home. We're not monitoring them, we're supporting them. And when there's a real need for support, when there's a fall or assistance required, we're their life. Yeah, and a beautifully simple idea uh, in the same way as Netwatch has. I remember you telling me about your aha moment with the Netwatch, you yeah. know, with the, the whole idea. When was the aha moment with, with this? And, and did it take you long to get the show on the road, so to speak? Well, it's funny, so... Last December, sorry, December 19, uh, with Netwatch at the time, we uh, attended the Family Carers Awards in Dublin. 
extraordinary awards that recognise and salute great people in our community that volunteer and take care of a, a loved one. Is that somebody with disabilities or be an elderly person or somebody with chronic illnesses or whatever happens to be the case. Uh, and as myself and I and Kelly were driving home from Dublin at, after that event, we were thinking essentially, well, surely technology has a role to play in giving some respite to those carers who do incredible work and give independence to the, the person that's being cared for. Uh, so we, we had this need in our mind. And as I said, we were going to, we had agreed to do it, but we decided that we were going to leave it go for 12 months mm. and take, take that break we're talking about. And then, yeah, do the and roses. COVID changed everything. And, and, it, and it changed everything in a dramatic way. We, we understand now in terms of Zoom and team calls and, and even this guy, I know you're, you're out of the office yourself. And mm. I'm, 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 I'm at home here myself. So it changed that, but it also changed the medical world and the, and the acceptance of technology in digital health and in that role in terms of keeping people in their own home. Because we know this for certain, and COVID again has proved it, outcomes are far, far better for elderly people when they're in their own home, an environment that they've lived in and trusted for 50, 60, 70 years in some cases. And uh, so, uh, so the more we can do, and we're not, we're not the panacea for everything, but I think we can play a huge role in that ecosystem. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, that it, that the the idea came out of you going to uh, an awards um, thing once yeah. again, kind of uh, highlighting the benefits of of taking part and having some time for chewing over ideas. How's it going for you now, uh, David? Like it, it, we, you're a year ahead of schedule. We're here, yeah, so we started building the technology last June, from say May June onwards. So we have all the technology built, the software we built. We have our care hub that we opened in December, which is empty now because of COVID. But look, we, that's a small problem. We'll be back into it when restrictions, uh, level five restrictions are abated. But, uh, and, and so we just launched, externally launched, in uh, eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago in November, right? And the, the response has just been breathtaking, far exceeding expectations. So we're getting inquiries from private clients themselves, either the individual themselves, the elderly, the senior person, or indeed their circle of care, which is of their daughter or sons or whoever. But we're also getting huge interest from the professional home care companies who do an extraordinary job mm. uh, in terms of home care. Now, in most of 95% of their business comes through the HSE, which is HSE sponsored. It's usually an hour or two hours per day if somebody's lucky. And then there's 22 hours a day when the individual, the, the, the senior person is on their own in their home. Mm. And, and, and that's where, where we fit in and the, and the home care companies see the technology not as a competitor, which is not, but as a complementary service to what they're doing. And a, and a holistic service because we can be there for the 22 hours when the care is done yeah. and making sure that the elderly person is supported at all times. Yeah, speaking of care, self-care is very important and I just want to finally ask you, um, don't have much time, but like, can you give us a few keys to how you keep your resilience going in such tough tough times? Like, you know, it is challenging. Like you said, your your building project is is stalled. How do you keep positive in, in these tough times, well, David? I think it comes from <laughs> I'm often asked whether it's our nature or our nurture that yeah. decides how we turn out in life. But I, I think it's a combination of the two. You know, but, but certainly it is challenging time, but we can't give up. There's no upside in giving up, if you like. This will pass. Yeah. I remember 2008 very, very clearly in relation to the big recession that was there at the time. Uh, and uh, and we, got, we got through that. But we, we should remember this and take solace from the fact that this is the same for our competitors. Nobody has a competitive advantage. Indeed, some of our competitors might disappear after market because of this, leaving, leaving a bigger and greater opportunity. But I think what, what's critically important at a personal level and a business level is not to get involved in the blame game. Don't make excuses. It's the same for everybody because when we, ask, when we start blaming our competitors, we blame COVID, we blame the recession, we blame the banks, 
we start empowering those forces to control the things that we do, to control our strategy, our thinking and our actions. Uh, and we can't allow that to happen. So now is the time to surround ourselves with positive people uh, and, and visualise what the new future will be because there's no doubt about it, John. There are positive signs out there. The vaccination programme has started. The, the, the numbers, the people who are getting sick is falling. Level 5 will lift at some stage. And from my perspective, from an economic perspective, I do genuinely believe that there's going to be a bounce. The amount of money that in savings at the moment because people can't spend for the last 12 months has never been higher in the history of the state. Yeah. Uh, so Fantastic. I think that's pent, pent up demand. I think, I think that there will be a big bounce. So my advice to everybody is hang in there. It will pass and, and, and good days will come again. David, that's a great note to finish and congratulations on all your achievements and best of luck with Halo Healthcare. Thanks, John. Okay, good morning. That's uh, David Walsh uh, of Halo Healthcare and also of Netwatch in Carlow. Uh, Really positive message there. And I have to say, I'm really touched by the amount of text messages uh, that we're getting in about why people love radio. And I'd love to read them all out. Um, People talking about it keeps them company as I'm in grieving and it's the only thing that keeps me going from early morning. I love it because it's literally a a lifeline, especially in these COVID days. Casey Laura because it's like listening to family normal people you can actually tell care about their listeners uh, I love listening to Casey Lore all the time it has everything news great talk music talk shows everything I love about it and thank you very much it's a lovely lift to hear all that and don't forget you can be in with a chance of winning that speaker all you need to do is tell us why you love radio and text us on our dinnersready.ie text or whatsapp contact line which is 083 306 and that's with thanks to Electro City. Uh, we're keeping it positive, but we'll be talking Brexit after the break. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Lots of lovely messages coming in about why people love radio and following on from the conversation uh, with Laura Slattery about why people, how people use radio, I thought this one was interesting. It says, I love radio for many reasons. It is mobile and I can tune in on my transistors anywhere. No Wi-Fi to so many stations. Being in lockdown and not getting home to Kilkenny, your programmes on Casey Law makes it feel closer. And speaking to family in Kilkenny, I know what is going on in the county when we chat. And this person says, if they win the prize, Will you send it to some friends of theirs in Mooncoin? They do so much for people that, and they totally deserve it. And that comes in from uh, Christine Collins, who's in Wiltshire in the UK. So uh, good morning, Christine, and thank you for tuning our way. Christine's name is in the mix uh, with all those other dozens and dozens of people who are texting into us about why they love radio. And you can do it uh, by contacting us on the dinnersready.ie WhatsApp or text line 083 306 9696. Now, Christine will be interested in the next one. It's about the impact of Brexit on Irish uh, business. And our next guest is Dennis Casey, who last uh, on the programme in November when we were speculating about how Brexit would impact us and what kind of things businesses need to do to prepare. Now, back then, the outcome was far from clear with the very real possibility that there'd be no deal at all but in the event a deal was struck uh, on Christmas Eve. Now earlier I spoke with Dennis Casey who's a business advisor and he works with a range of businesses on Brexit and other issues and I start by asking him to tell me what the Brexit experience has been like for business so far. 
Yeah, I, I suppose to sum it up, I suppose it's confusion and uncertainty, I suppose, is what is the kind of uh, overriding experience uh, from from what I can see in dealing with my clients. And, you know, it's great news. There was a trade agreement struck and that eliminated import tariffs on goods that were either of UK country of origin or EU country of origin shipping the other direction. But of course, there's a lot more to trade than that. And so with all these things, the devil, the devil is in the detail. So people are people are fighting with the system, I suppose, and and getting, I suppose, so a lot of surprises along the way. So I, I can just run through some yeah, of the, for sure, the typical yeah. things that that clients of mine have have contacted me with. Say, for instance, if you're a small business or a micro business or any business in Ireland selling goods into consumers in the UK now, so you're selling B to C business to consumer in the UK. Mm. Up until the 1st of January, there was a threshold. And if you were below that threshold, you didn't need to worry about UK VAT. You just Mm. charged Irish VAT, off you go. But since the 1st of January, the VAT that's applicable on those sales is UK VAT now. And in order to do that, you have to register for UK VAT. The threshold that was there is now gone because they've left the EU. So even if you've only got the the occasional sale now into a customer, a consumer in, in GB, you have to charge them UK VAT, which means registering for VAT in the UK. And that itself is it's not a big deal, but it takes time and a bit of patience. And you once you register, you have to keep submitting returns, presumably. You have to do you have to file your VAT returns and pay VAT to HMRC in the UK. Then, but the process itself as well, you have to download this VAT one form, fill it in manually. So you can't even do it do it electronically. You, you download the form, fill it in, post it to HMRC, and there's a backlog, of course. So like up to two weeks ago, they were dealing with applications they received in mid-November. So, so that's kind of like I'm six sure, weeks to two months of a backlog. Yeah, so I'm sure they're working the way through that, but there is the backlog there. So if you if 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 you do want to sell to the UK and want to continue selling to the UK, you need to do that kind of as soon as you can. Yeah, so just to be clear, that could cover somebody like a jewellery maker in Carlo or a jewellery maker in Kakenny who's got a website. Most of the people who, who actually buy from it are, are from this area or from the EU, but yeah. maybe three or four um, purchases during the year, fifteen hundred euros or whatever, but they're two into the UK, but they now have to register for VAT in the UK and yes. do regular returns. Exactly, and find a way to pay VAT to the which they can do themselves. But you know, now people like that aren't always comfortable. Uh, you know, they usually use their accountant to do things like that for them, and yeah, they can yeah. still do that, of course. But there's an extra cost there for their business, even yeah, in doing the, that. The old, the old Percy Pig thing, which made a lot of headlines early on in January, which basically talks about the country of origin stuff made in germany for example going into a warehouse in the uk and then gone from there out it's been a bit of a kind of a misery a, t- a tale of woe really for people who, who that's part of their business it it has like it's it's it country of origin. people need to need to get their heads around country of origin i guess now for a couple of reasons so if you're buying goods from a distributor in gb a lot of those goods are probably not uk country of origin so very important now that if you're buying going to buy something from a supplier in gb figure out where the country of origin is so you need to ask them where the country of origin is and then there's a very nice website called access to markets all one word and it's a c c e s s the figure 2 M-A-R-K-E-T-S. And if you put in your the commodity code for what you're buying, country of man, if a country of origin and the country destination being Ireland, it'll tell you what the import tariffs on those goods will be. And it also, same website gives you a lot of other very good information mm. on it as well. But you're, you're right. So 
figure out where the country of origin is. But but you're right, the Percy Pig thing is an interesting one, uh, where you could have goods which are manufactured, we'll say, in Germany, imported in a, as a full container or a, you know full pallet into the UK by a distributor, and put into their warehouse. By doing that, they're going into circulation in the UK. Those same goods, if they're shipped back to a consumer or, or, or to a business in Germany or anywhere in the EU, could be liable for import EU import taxes, which is nuts. Hmm. It's just one of those you know, odd things that has come out of the woodwork because of Brexit. Yeah, now, and Dennis, some people may be listening to us going, like, they're still going on about Brexit um, in the middle of February in 2021. The vote was done in 2016. Surely people were prepared. How have you found the level of preparedness among businesses for this massive change that's come around? Are people still, um, still kind of in the dark about what they need to do? Yes, it's certainly some people are. Like I've, I've had some clients come on to me in the last few weeks who have done no planning whatsoever for Brexit. And that's fair enough. Like you, 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 there's no point beating yourself up because of what you haven't done before. And, you know, the, the keys is our planning now. Some people have planned and have done, you know, as much as they can in preparation for Brexit. But even there, there are, you know, surprises have come along, have, have come their way, unfortunately, because, you know, you can't plan for everything. And... Generally speaking, I would say the Irish companies are more prepared and better prepared than their UK equivalents. Uh, I think I think in a lot of cases, UK equivalents were, were listening to Boris Johnson and Michael Gove telling them this wasn't going to be any bother. Mm. And of course, then to be fair to companies as well, COVID came along and completely blindsided an awful lot of businesses and they had to deal with that, which was a crisis and a more urgent crisis than what Brexit was, was going to be. Brexit was still a few months away. Okay, and um, tell me, how do you find the overall level of trade, or what's your estimate? I I, I read last weekend that exports from the UK were down somewhere in the region of 65% during January. Are there really that levels of contraction of trade? I, I would think there is, but, but there's probably two factors with that. Like Ireland and good chunk, good parts of the UK and Ireland are, are sorry, EU are on COVID nineteen lockdowns of various levels. So that's that's suppressing demand to a certain extent, and also a lot of people who did prepare for Brexit. But one of the key things they did was was bring in extra stock before the Brexit deadline kicked in. So we're seeing artificially low levels of transactions anyway. And even at that, there's pressures coming on the, the the customs system in Ireland, the customs systems in the UK, and the, the, the whole haulage, whole logistics industry is coming under huge pressure because just just think of it as a if a if a truck coming in from the UK, let's say it's 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 being done on kind of a groupage basis where there's product spread across maybe four or five different companies on the same load. If one of the pallets on that has a problem with its customs documentation, the whole trailer gets put to one side. So that's a trailer taken out of the of the of the of the of the um, of the capacity to move goods between the two countries. Yeah, and. One of the things that's happening there, of course, is some UK hauliers have stopped coming this direction because of that. They can't afford to have have uh, trailers sitting around and indeed drivers sitting around waiting for customs to. And I'm hearing uh, horror stories about the costs of containers um, increasing by multiples in some cases because of shortage, sometimes due to COVID, but presumably these famous bottlenecks. Yeah, some of it, some of that is COVID, and some of it is is more uh, like the cost of containers coming from China to or Asia to to Europe skyrocketed. Probably went up three or four, a multiple of three or four from what they were twelve months ago. Um, some of it's probably COVID related, 
Um, some of it is people taking advantage of a situation, I guess, as well. Some of it possibly Brexit related as well. But I, I suspect a lot of that isn't Brexit specific. Mm. Uh, that was Dennis Casey, who I was speaking to earlier, and I had a longer chat and we went into more detail uh, with Dennis on Brexit and what businesses need to do to adapt to it, and we'll put that out on our podcast channel. Don't forget you can listen to The Bottom Line on podcast. Now, I mentioned earlier on in the programme we'd be talking to a psychologist, a positive psychologist, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Dr Yolanta Burke, who's a lecturer in psychology in the Department of Education in Maynooth University. Good morning, Yolanta. Good morning, John, and thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, I thought it was important that we speak uh, about the the challenges people are having keeping motivation going and keeping their spirits up during these difficult times. But people who are leading businesses and employees, um, talk to us a bit about how leaders can get through this difficult time when people are looking to them for leadership, I suppose. Yes, people are looking for leadership, but what people are really looking for is also hopefulness. And hopefulness is not about wishful thinking. Uh, Creating hope in employees is about, firstly, showing them that we are going to be, we are going to, um, to, to improve. Our situation is going to improve in the future, but also leaders need to show the way. So show uh, employees that they have some pathways, that they have some plan of action to get them out of this situation. Mm. Because um, we all um, know that the the economic situation is quite challenging. Um, So employees really need to know that each business has a plan to keep them on, to um, keep um, their um, revenue um, flowing, uh, flowing in. Um, so I think the, the 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 hopefulness is absolutely crucial. Yeah, um, and tell us a bit about uh, how people should ask more than tell. You know, so receive more than just kind of broadcast. Yes. Listen. Yes, that's right. And there's a huge amount of research about this, um, and it is particularly um, useful during challenging times. So, what research is showing us is that um, leaders who ask questions, for example, during their meeting, rather than tell employees what needs to be done, um, they create much higher performance among their team, much higher motivation, and it's really uh, important during com- uh, during these kind of times, uh, challenging times. So um, the idea of it is just to even be able to check, firstly, where the employees are at, what what are your challenges, what are your problems, um, what type of resources do you require for you to do your job, where are you at even mentally, and asking people these difficult questions is so important. But also asking them for solutions, um, because uh, with the changed uh, working environment, um, we also have different solutions to tap into, and uh, telling employees what needs to be done rather than asking them could actually um, prevent uh, employers from coming up with better uh, resources that they think that exist in their businesses. Yeah, okay. Well, look, uh, we're talking to uh, Dr. Yolanta Burke, who's a positive psychologist um, and speaking a lot of sense, if I do say so. Uh, But we have to take a break. Stay on the line, uh, Yolanta, and we'll be back to talk about more positive ideas after these messages. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie 
Art of It All. Casey Lord, just coming up to six minutes to ten o'clock. John Purcell with you on the bottom line. Just about two or three minutes for people to get their entries into our competition. Tell us why you love radio. It's World Radio Day. Lovely prize to give away of a Bluetooth speaker from Electro City in Kerlock. Can you just text us or WhatsApp us on 083-306-9696. We'll be announcing the winner in about five minutes' time. Uh, I'm joined on the line by Dr. Yolanta Burke uh, talking about how we need to equip ourselves to get through uh, these difficult times. Um, Yolanta, before the break, we were talking about leaders and how, uh, you know, create hope and and, and listening to staff is very important. Um, Many people finding it difficult working from home and remotely and all that kind of stuff. Have you got any tips for people as to how they can get through this really long uh, lockdown and when people are working from home and finding it difficult? Absolutely. Um, Well, the biggest challenge, I suppose, um, that we have when working from home is that we work longer. So uh, surveys are showing us that we work on average about 48 minutes longer than we would have um, before the lockdown, uh, before the pandemic. And we also take um, uh, less breaks. So we really need to establish a good routine, a healthy routine, um, something that would help us uh, switch off from work. Um, and this could be a simple thing as um, perhaps uh, getting dressed for work rather than staying in your pyjamas while working um, uh, at home or getting out of bed rather than sitting with your laptop in the bed or finding a space in your um, in your home where uh, you can switch off when you leave that space. So even if, if somebody doesn't have a um, um, larger house or a room dedicated to, um, to an office work, maybe even um, having a corner that you put something over or cover it somehow in order to um, switch off from the work um, and uh, go back into your personal life. Um, so um, establishing some sort of a routine where you take your breaks, regular breaks, or you have your lunch, or maybe you can go for a walk during your lunch hour. It's really crucial. Another very important thing is that we spend a lot of time um, on, on our computers, our phones, and it's really important to take time out. Some of the research we've carried out with um, um, leaders and employees um, during the pandemic showed us that uh, many of them um, switched off their phone at, at 5, 6 o'clock and took some time out, even if it were just for about two hours. And um, everybody on their team got used to the fact that they won't be reachable around this time. So try to maybe switch off your devices um, for a period of time or maybe even the whole evening and do something with people. So maybe stay within your bubble, spend time with your family, your friends, um, obviously social distancing, uh, doing all of this. Yeah, well, Yolanta, unfortunately, talking about switching off our devices and being under time pressure, we're under time pressure and I've got to leave it there, unfortunately. But I'd love to have you back on again to talk about more tips. Okay, good morning. That was Dr. Yolanta Burke, a positive psychologist, giving some really good tips there on how to get through these difficult times. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody who's entered our competition this morning, telling us on World Radio Day why uh, you love radio. And the winner this morning is Sandra Tracy from Fenna. And thank you very much, Sandra. But thank you to the dozens of people who contributed. And it's really been a lift to us all here, seeing the many reasons and how much radio means to 
people during difficult times and during the pandemic. That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. If you have any comments or ideas, you can email us at thebottomline at kclr96fm.com or you can listen back to any episode of the show on podcast. Check out the KCLR app or search The Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Thanks to all our guests this week, Laura Slattery, David Walsh, Dennis Casey and Dr Yolanta Burke. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produced the show and thanks to you most of all for listening. Stay safe, wash your hands and keep your distance. Happy Valentine's Day uh, to tomorrow uh, to you all and uh, I hope you have a nice weekend do stay safe have a good week and hopefully we'll talk to you next Saturday until then take care The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.